2: Congratulations, True Crime Addicts, we've survived another week. It is Friday, January 12th, 2024. This week, 200 bodies were discovered behind a Mississippi jail. Matthew Perry is not the best friend. And police may have ID'd the Colonial Parkway serial killer. All this and more, uh, uh, stay tuned.
1: Yes. Super excited. We are all pumped to
2: have James Renner.
0: James Renner. On. That James Renner has zeroed in. On. James
2: Renner's once again drops a bombshell. bombshell. Investigative James journalist Renner. reporter James, James, Renner. James Renner, who's been James on the podcast Renner. a long time. Alright, welcome back to the show, and it is jam-packed today. This is true crime this week with me, James Renner. And uh, this is where you go. This is the podcast for true crime aficionados to hear the news before anybody else. You hear the true crime stories that are going to be Netflix documentaries a year or two from now. You're going to be in the know. And if you happen to have a friend who's a true crime sleuth, send them this way. You know, tell them, hey, have you heard of this podcast called True Crime This Week with James Renner? <laughs> it's a laugh. Um, <laughs> Anyways, thank you for listening. And uh, as always, I want to thank my friend Walter, who's uh, manning the camera. Walter's just back from touring with the Electric Mayhem. And uh, also, big news. Big news. Uh, I, hear, I hear you like true crime podcasts. Um, how about another one? My new podcast, Synth Sleuths, premieres January 23rd. And that's like right around the corner. This is the first true crime podcast that features an A.I. co-host. That's right. My co-host is A.I. Her name's Sky. You're going to love her. I promise it's going to it's going to amaze you. Uh, We discuss the nature of consciousness and then we investigate uh, some of the world's most confounding unsolved mysteries. It's a weird mix of tech and true crime. Check it out. synth Sleuths, subscribe today. The trailer's out on Apple and Spotify. Go over there, click a follow or subscribe, please. Let's get to the top stories. Let's stop wasting time. A disturbing story is developing out of Mississippi this week after an NBC News investigation uncovered a grave site near the Hines County Penal Farm, which is not a farm for penises, where 215 people were buried from 200... uh, I'm sorry... Uh, 215 people were buried between 2016 and 2023, this mass grave that had kind of been flying under the radar. Police have been calling it a pauper's grave, and a pauper's grave is where the government can place bodies that have not been identified or people who have no remaining family or friends or anybody to pay for their own funeral. But there's some evidence that suggests there's more to the story here. Now, when I first heard the story, I assumed that what they had found was a grave for inmates of that jail. People who had died while incarcerated and didn't have family members and were buried. There's often uh, cemeteries and graveyards around prisons. That's not really the case here. At least some of these bodies came from people who died in Mississippi and still had loved ones, but the police never bothered to go looking for them. In some cases, it seems they did so in order to protect themselves. The mother of 37-year-old Dexter Wade um, is, uh, is, is out for justice, and here's why. Dexter Wade went missing on March 5th last year. His mother reported him missing. She spent months looking for him, only to discover that he was already dead. And the police knew this, and the police quietly buried him in this graveyard. How did he die, you might ask? He was struck and killed by a police car. Yeah, this is kind of a big story. Um, Other families of missing men are finding out their loved ones have been buried there as well. And the county is now charging them to collect and relocate their bodies. Which just seems rude, right? All right, let's jump to the next story. This week, U.S. Magazine published allegations of assault, abuse, and drug use by actor Matthew Perry, who was found dead in his pool in October after he took enough ketamine to render himself unconscious. Perry was an admitted addict who claimed to have cleaned up his act in a recent book, but that appears to not be entirely true now. The magazine goes into de- a detailed account of an alleged physical assault between Perry and his sober companion. Apparently, in March of 2022, this woman confronted Perry about being high, and he threw her into a wall and shoved her onto a bed. Others say he was known to punch walls and flip tables during similar outbursts. The magazine also reports that Perry's ex girlfriend threatened to sue him in 2020 for emotional and psychological damage claiming he got her addicted to oxycodone but they settled out of court another source details how one of Perry's nurses quit the profession after she became traumatized while working for him it'd be pretty bad to cause a nurse to quit you know nursing he also crashed his car a few times in recent years while high but managed to not be charged for any of these crimes it's a very sad ending. Also a very typical ending if you know addicts. I was a big fan of Matthew Perry. I, I st- still am, I guess. Uh, he did a great turn as a lawyer on The West Wing. I think that was probably the, the height of his his acting there. Went on to do some mu- movies, too. I was always, always a fan. I remember being in plays in high school where I essentially just emulated Matthew Perry on stage. So, um sad, sad end. And finally, the last of Jeffrey Epstein's files were unsealed on Tuesday and the judge saved the best for last. In the new documents, Epstein victim Virginia Giuffre is on record claiming that Epstein paid her $15,000 to have sex with Prince Prince Andrew in 2011, according to NBC News. She also claims to have been directed to have. Uh, have sex with another prince. Um, speculate as you might, at an uh, as well as an unnamed hotel chain owner. Hope it wasn't the Super Eight guy, a billionaire hedge fund manager, as well as Les Wexner, Ohio residents, and the old man in charge of Victoria's Secret. Dufrey also claimed to have had lunch with President Bill Clinton on Epstein's island, though Clinton says he was never ever on that island. Also in these documents were allegations by another one of Epstein's victims, a woman named Sarah Ransom, who claimed that Epstein had filmed blackmail videos on the island that featured young women having sex with Trump, Clinton, Prince Andrew, and Richard Branson. However, Ransom later recanted that story before a journalist could write about it. It should be noted that Ransom also provided prosecutors with many legitimate photos of powerful people and girls on that island. If those tapes are out there, by the way, they'll, I imagine they'll eventually find their way online or be sold at auction. Uh, this reminds me of this uh, slightly similar case. In 2008, if you haven't heard this, An unnamed New York businessman purchased a silent 16-millimeter film that purportedly shows President Kennedy receiving a BJ from Marilyn Monroe for $1.5 million. This businessman bought it out of respect for Marilyn so that it would never be made public. So there's videos. They're out there somewhere. We'll see one day. I don't know. I don't know where I fall on this one. But, uh, you know... The more and more I hear about this Epstein fellow, sounds like a real jerk. Uh, anyways, those are the top stories. Um, after the break, uh, I've got some cold case updates you want to hear about concerning the Colonial Parkway murders. we got to talk about Sierra Breland. This is a developing big story there. And uh, lots more to come. I'll be back in 2 and 2.
0: Please hang up and try again.
2: Authorities in Virginia may have solved the infamous Colonial Parkway serial murders, according to the New York Times. Virginia State Police held a press conference on Monday and announced that DNA evidence has linked Alan Wilmer to the murders of Teresa Lynn Howell and uh, two supposed victims of the Colonial Parkway serial killer, David Knobling and Robin Edwards. Unfortunately, Wilmer died at his home in 2017 at the age of 63. Police say Wilmer was a local fisherman who operated a small boat, and he drove a distinctive 1966 Dodge Fargo pickup truck with the license plate EM-RAW, as in Edom-RAW. Police are currently reviewing the other Colonial Parkway murders to see if they can also be linked to Wilmer. Now, this could be a big break in these Colonial Parkway serial-killing murders. Um, And I've, over the years, at these true crime conventions, I've gotten to know Bill Thomas, who's the brother of Kathy Thomas, who's one of the Colonial Parkway uh, victims. She was murdered in 1986, and he's been relentlessly trying to solve her case for years. So, you know, hopefully this is the beginning of the end for that. Hopefully it'll bring some closure. Um, this is really good news at the start of the year. Let's talk about Sierra Breland. Have you guys heard about this case? Somehow I hadn't heard about this, but uh, it's developing into kind of a big true crime story. The main suspect in the disappearance of Sierra Breland was arrested in Georgia on an unrelated gun charge after a months-long manhunt, according to Fox 5 Atlanta. This case is an absolute mess, but let me try to break it down for you. 31-year-old Sierra Breland disappeared on or about February 25th, 2022. It's almost two years ago now. She lived in Carmel, Indiana, and her husband, Xavier, was, was living with her and their five-month-old son. Xavier reported Sierra missing and told police that the last time he saw her was around 10 p.m. on February 25th when she decided, he said, to walk to a store wearing only a black top and purple shorts, even though the temperature was in the 20s. But Sierra was not seen on any of the surveillance tapes from that store, and uh, nobody saw her since. Police began to suspect Xavier's involvement after they found Sierra's phone and her credit card still inside the house. Also, anybody that knew her said she would never leave her child or her dog, behind. Other than Xavier's story, the last verified sighting of Sierra was at Xavier's mother's house in Georgia. Now, two days after Xavier reported his wife missing, police were called back to Xavier's house after reports of an accidental discharge of a firearm. When police arrived, he told them he was moving a Christmas tree when he heard a gunshot and realized that one of his guns had accidentally gone off which was kind of bad news for Xavier because he wasn't supposed to own a gun since, you know, he was a felon. He'd been convicted of burglary in 2005. He also had an outstanding warrant for stalking back in Georgia. Real nice guy. So he was arrested, you know, on the spot and then extradited to Georgia, which brings us to this year, 2024, when he he failed to show up for court in Indiana on that, uh, gun charge. It took police a month to track him down. He's now in custody, but still remains uncharged in the disappearance of his wife. No body has been found. They don't, and, you know, if he was responsible, you know, wherever she went missing, it could be anywhere from Georgia to Indiana. This is a, it's a crazy case. You know, that, uh, Accidental discharge of a firearm is very interesting to me coming two days after reporting his wife missing. Uh, Not to speculate too much, that could mean an attempted and aborted suicide. Uh, I'm I'm interested to know if we'll know the, the true story behind that. Anyways, he's behind bars, so breathe easy. Nikki Brass a former escort turned hairstylist, told TMZ this week that she once had dinner with Rex Hewerman and came away from the encounter suspecting he was the Long Island serial killer. This dinner allegedly took place in 2015, and during the meal, Heuerman asked her if she was a true crime fan, as you do. He then began talking about the Long Island murders in a way that seemed to her to be bragging. When he asked her to come home with him, she declined, Smart. He then got angry and stormed out. Or she stormed out. When she returned home, she told her friends he must be the Long Island serial killer. But she didn't go to police because she was currently on probation for a drug offense. Uh, priorities, people. Priorities. This reminds me of a, of a case I covered several years ago. Uh, a young man ended up dead in Cleveland And I went to his work. He, at the time, he worked at a, um, what do you call it? It's not an IHOP, but it's it's similar to that. He worked at a diner, and I went and spoke to his coworkers. And his manager came up to me and said, "You know, I have some information here. I totally do think he was murdered. I think I might know who did it." I'm like, "Tell me, or the police, tell me, tell me, tell me." And she said, I "I can't talk to you though. I'm afraid I'd get fired." From the diner, uh, you know that's 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 America uh, in uh, in the twenty first century, right? Okay, another top story here: a decapitated woman found in a California vineyard in two thousand eleven was identified this week thanks to genetic genealogy, according to NBC News. The woman's body was found on March twenty ninth, two thousand eleven, at the a uh, grapevine vineyard in Arvin, California. She was found without her head or thumbs, and her body appeared to have been posed. That's not going to keep me awake at night at all, now, is it? Um, police worked with the DNA Doe Project to ID her using genetic genealogy. Good job, DNA Doe Project. Um, that led them to 64-year-old Ada Beth Calpin. Uh, of Canyon County. For some reason, a missing persons report was never filed for her. Police are now searching for her killer. Let's go over to weird news. A Massachusetts woman was charged this week with attempted murder and assaulting a police officer. And the story just gets crazier from there. Prosecutors say Roxanne Doucette poisoned her husband's soup in an attempt to kill him and collect life insurance money, but it wasn't her idea. Turns out she had been catfished by a man pretending to be an actor from the Bold and the Beautiful soap opera. This man strung her along in texts and conversations, leading her to believe he was in love with her, before telling her to get rid of her husband, according to the Guardian. After eating the soup, her husband Paul got sick and was rushed to the hospital. Roxanne's daughter found the text between her mother and this guy who was definitely not an actor from The Bold and the Beautiful while she was still at the hospital. Police attempted to retrieve the phone from Roxanne. She fought them. Luckily, her husband survived. Roxanne claimed she didn't poison her husband and that the soup was just kind of old. If this plays out like The Bold and the Beautiful though, I fully expect Roxanne's long lost twin to show up at the last moment and take the blame. In pop culture, this week, Netflix released the trailer for the new true crime documentary, Lover, Stalker, Killer, and it's a doozy. The story follows a man named Dave Krupa, who moved to Omaha, Nebraska in 2012 with the hopes of finding a girlfriend. He used apps to try to find a soulmate, found a woman named Liz Golia. They began dating casually. Then he met another woman and became more serious with her. And, uh, you know, his relationship was with Liz was supposed to stay casual. You know, they nobody wanted to be connected. So he pursued a more serious relationship with this other woman who turns up dead. Liz did not like to be the second woman, and mayhem, as they say, ensued. This is going to be a good one. Check it out. The book this week is Some People Need Killing by Patricia Evangelista. She's a journalist. She came of age in the aftermath of a street revolution that forged a new future for the Philippines. Some People Need Killing is Evangelista's meticulously reported and deeply human chronicle of the Philippines' drug war. And it's climbing the charts on Amazon right now. A lot of people are liking it. For six years, Evangelista chronicled the killings carried out by police and vigilantes a war that has led to the slaughter of thousands, immersing herself in the world of killers and survivors and capturing the atmosphere of fear created when an elected president decides that some lives are worth less, worth less than others. Sounds a little familiar, right? Uh, the book takes its title from a vigilante whose words seemed to reflect the psychological accommodation that most of the country had made. I'm not really a bad guy, he said. I'm not all bad. Some people need killing a profound act of witness and a tour de force of literary journalism some people need killing is also a brilliant dissection of the grammar of violence and an important investigation of the human impulses to dominate and resist check it out you'll be smarter for doing so and uh those are the top stories of this week it's the weekend now go celebrate it's a long one too i think president's day is that on monday or something Uh, Anyways, my kids have have Monday off. Hopefully you do too. Take the long weekend, do something fun, go see uh, Mean Girls or something. And uh, I'll catch you back here next week. In the meantime, in the words of the incomparable Murray Saw, the godfather of Cleveland radio, we gotta, 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 (sighs) gotta. Get down, damn it. True Crime This Week is a fearful symmetry production. Photo and artwork are licensed through Shutterstock. If you like the cut of my jib, I have another podcast you might enjoy called The Philosophy of Crime, in which I attempt to solve the big questions behind our true crime obsession by looking to philosophy for answers. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Sit, Brownie, sit. Good dog.